Art History Bay Briefs. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Natalie, and we are the Art History Babes. We have another baby episode for you all today. This one's a heavier one. Yeah, it definitely is, but also aesthetically so pleasing and interesting to talk about, especially this time period from the First World War through the Second is one of my favorite times for art. So it's heavy, but rewarding. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, the work that came out of this time period, particularly this work we're about to talk about. It's very moving artwork. It's heavy, but heavy doesn't necessarily mean bad. You know, it also means like rich and there's a lot to it and very emotional, you know. So yeah, it's definitely powerful, powerful stuff we're about to talk about. Yeah, and the artist that we're going to be discussing today, Kathy Kollwitz, is just so amazing and did have a very hard life, Mm -hmm. but is just one of the most incredible artists I've ever learned about, like as far as their life and their art career. I love printmakers and she's one of the best that we've ever seen. Yeah, no, some of these prints are pretty incredible because, yeah, sometimes like you think of mediums like painting and stuff as inherently more emotional than printmaking, Mm -hmm. but her work is definitely teeming with emotion, so. Yeah, it's here to disprove that theory. (laughs) (laughs) Totally, totally. There's this quote I came across on the Kathy Kollwitz Museum website. They have a museum for her in Berlin. And in the bio section, they said her art developed completely autonomously and shows many signs of genius, which I just love because I feel like the genius trope is so rampant in the male artist community. (laughs) But it's not as often that you see people talking about a female artist in terms of autonomy and genius. 100%. So I love that she's talked about here. And it's also so valid just based on her life and her career yeah she kind of developed a style all of her own yeah definitely yeah I mean I I feel like I've gone on a rant or two on the show about like just the concept of genius and at least the way it's used historically and it is it's very much tied up in the male dominated aspects of art and like that's typically when that word is used to talk about your Picassos and you know your dollies and stuff like that yeah and to think of an artist at this time a female artist as an autonomous art maker that's creating something just completely inspiring and moving and original. It's it's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, and the idea of genius still is a little bit ridiculous. Like, I'm not trying to pivot away from what we've said in the past, which is, I don't know. To me, at least, the idea of genius feels phony and also a little bit I don't want to say disrespectful I guess to the artist and the hours of work that they put in (laughs) I think it's reductive yeah and it just dismisses so much that is really worth noting and paying attention to in the creative process and that artists do 
Yeah, that is still kind of a hard word for me to get on board with. But I do like the turning of the tables. And it's also fun because the print in particular that we're going to be talking about was made between 1919 and 1920, which makes it 100 years old. Hey. Yeah. So 100 years. Man, I I had to like stop and think about that for a minute. I was like, oh, shoot, it's 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this is not a dream. It is really 2020. (laughs) And this is really life. That's wild. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, all right. Well, should we should we dive into it? Let's do it. Kathy Kolowitz is known for creating prints that celebrate the plight of the working class. She especially cared about women and children, and they were often subjects in her work. This included many self-portraits over the years. And sit down for this part. She was born in 1867. She lived through both world wars only to die in 1945, 16 days before the end of World War II. 16 days. She lived through so much garbage, and she lived in Germany, so she like really lived through so much garbage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did I mention she grew up in Berlin, and she made it to see the Nazis. We'll get there. It's just as frustrating as you can imagine. Her maternal grandfather was a Lutheran pastor who was expelled from the official evangelical state church, so he founded an independent congregation. Her father was a radical socialist Democrat, and he apparently recognized her artistic talents really young and put her in classes for drawing and copy plaster casts, which is a form of sculpture, at age 12. She started so young, you guys, which is very exciting to me. 12. That is cool. Mm-hmm. Kathy's early style can be described as realism, but later developed into expressionism. And she also began as a painter, but switched to sculpture and etching at a certain point, and then later moved on from etching to lithography and woodcuts, or not moved on, but I guess added to her practice. In 1891, she married Carl Kalowitz, and they moved into their home, where she would reside until it was destroyed in World War II. They had two sons, and her career continued to progress. She taught at the Berlin School of Women Artists and worked on her etchings in her own time. Kathy's studio was located in her husband's medical clinic, so she was able to be around patients and witness scenes that definitely informed her work. In other words, you know, she was around a lot of pain and grief and suffering and illness. Mm-hmm. For example, her etching from 1903 titled Woman with Dead Child. In this print, a woman bends over the body of what is presumed to be her dead child. The child's limp body and the woman's leg take up the majority of the composition. Most of her face is hidden from view, but even without a lot of information, the work is extremely emotional. You can feel the grief through her body language. In 1914, she lost her son Peter in World War I. Before his death, she had already explored themes of mourning through her art. And this work is, I mean, in my opinion, like obviously it is representational, but it's more expressive than it's representational. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's pretty much all emotion and like just the way her body and the child's body like meld together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty powerful image. Oh, for sure. And 
Yeah, just the angles of the mother's body compared to the child's. Like, I guess what mm-hmm. you would call realistic about it is like the weight of the bodies and like she knows anatomy well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, she positions things in a way that is not just direct mm-hmm. realism. It's this the leg in the front on its own. It almost draws your eye in more than the heads and faces. Exactly, exactly. And yeah, in the knees that kind of pop, like it's it is. It's just a really interesting composition in terms of the way the body's set on the page. Yeah, and I mean, so it's 1903. She's almost 40 years old and she's been making art since she was 12, but printing since 1890. So, I mean... Yeah, she's pretty experienced at this point. I'd say fair to call it her expressive period. Yeah, yeah. The, the beginning stages. Definitely. But yeah, what's important about this is the idea that she is exploring these themes pretty early in her life. Before her son died, she's still interested in the plight of the everyday person mm-hmm. and especially women and children. Mm-hmm. So the print in question is titled Memorial Sheet of Karl Liebknecht or the German Gedenblatt für Karl Liebknecht. I don't know how that was. It's been a minute. And like I said before, it was made between 1919 and 1920. So this print is monochrome, meaning it's black and white. And the composition is broken down into three horizontal registers or like sections. The topmost section is very crowded, while the middle is mostly just dark. The bottom strata is mostly negative space, and it's also where the deceased is lying horizontally along the bottom of the composition. All but two of the men standing are looking at him, and even the baby who's in the center of the composition. All of the figures are standing kind of around and over the body, and their attention and energy are all very focused on the deceased in front of them. So their arrangement would have been recognizable to viewers as a lamentation scene, so usually a religious scene. And white ink is used to just ever so slightly highlight a few select areas around the print, but otherwise the negative space is off-white due to the paper, that was the color of the paper, and in the bottom left-hand corner, in the etching, it reads Dem Gedenken Karl Liebknecht, which translates to In Memory of Karl Liebknecht. This print was made as a response to the assassination of communist leader Karl Liebknecht. He was killed during an uprising in 1919 after Liebknecht led an armed revolt against the socialist government in January 1919. Right-wing paramilitary units assassinated him. Kalwitz was not necessarily a supporter, but his family asked her to create a memorial work, and so she did. She is thought to have been a lifelong socialist, so it's hard to know exactly how personal this work was for her. Through this memorial print, she aimed to pay homage to the man and his legacy without standing behind his ideology. Because her composition is based on traditional Christian lamentation scenes, Liebknecht is in the role of the martyr. Special attention is paid to the dignity and pathos of Liebknecht's working class followers. She wanted to show those who had put their hope and faith in him. Yeah, so it really is more about them 
which is definitely on brand for her. Yeah. And she really wanted to capture like how devastating that was for them to lose him and with it a whole potential life that they had hoped for. And we obviously know how things went for Germany from that point on so yeah and in this print too like just looking at it there's a lot of emotion and a lot of just you know like personality and details in the faces of the mourners you know like a lot Mm -hmm. a lot of humanity there so you can definitely tell that even though it is memorial to Carl Liebknecht that's really what you're spending the most time looking at is looking at all of these mourners oh for sure and one thing that I love about her work is the hands yeah she's just so good at hands and while this work in particular it isn't all about hands there's one figure placing his on the chest of Carl Liebknecht and it's just so well defined and such a focal point yeah and heavy oh man yeah it's heavy I love to the at the very like center in the back, mm-hmm. like towards the top of the composition, mm-hmm. the the face that's got like the bluish highlights and like it's just the eyes staring forward. So haunting. It is. It's so haunting. I love it. Like that's where my eyes go to immediately. I'm like, oh, what's that about? Like, what's that guy's deal? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but it's really, it's really cool. It really, I think, adds something special to the print. Yeah. Oh, man, it's so good. Or even I just noticed the hand that's like directly above Liebknecht's face that's holding a hat to the guy's chest, but it looks like it's pointing down at him. So then it ends up being that like all of the hands that are showing are kind of like framing and pointing to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the highlight around his head is very, uh, what are those? Halo-like. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Should we take a little breaky break? We are back. Hope you enjoyed that message from uh, the sponsors. Definitely. And now back to Kathy Kollowitz in Prince. But not Prince. Not like <laughs> not that one. <laughs> Sorry, Ginny. Not- <laughs> Didn't mean to get your hopes up. <laughs> not like the Prince. No. Like the artist formerly known as. <laughs> no, no, no. The art medium now known as Prince. <laughs> <laughs> prints became a more popular medium among artists after World War I because they were cheaper to make and they were reproducible. Kollwitz had already begun etching in 1890, so she was already printing when the medium came on trend because she is a trend setter. Mm-hmm. Throughout her career, Kath worked on etchings, lithography, and woodcuts. The aforementioned work, Carl Liebknecht, is a woodcut, and woodcut prints are made by taking a wood block and using tools to slowly cut away all of the areas where you don't want ink to show up. So on that print, all of the light areas. So then the artist evenly applies ink to the surface of the block before stamping it onto paper using a printing press or brute strength, which I've never actually seen someone do, but... I would like to. <laughs> Kollwitz apparently began creating memorial sheet for Carl Liebknecht as an etching, but found that it was not working out. So then she switched over to woodcut and ended up making a total of 30 throughout her lifetime. So we've already talked about woman with dead child and memorial sheet for Carl Liebknecht. So one is an etching and one is a woodcut print. 
So as we know, Nazis are the worst. And that's like the understatement of the century. But, you know, hopefully we all know that. We use the worst all the time, but like they are the (laughs) The worst. worst. Yeah, like that's that's pretty fair. In 1933, the Nazis forced Kathy to resign her place on the faculty of the Akademie der Kunst because she supported the Dringender Appell. That's supposed to be in German, I think, or I don't know. Yeah. But it, it translates to the urgent call for unity. And it was a, an appeal by the International Socialist Combat, also known as the ISK, to defeat the Nazis. It was signed by nearly three dozen well-known German scientists, authors, and artists prior to the 1932 German federal election. On top of that, her work was removed from museums, and even though she was banned from exhibiting, one of her mother and child pieces was used by the Nazis for propaganda. Just another reason why they are the worst. The worst. The worst. The Gestapo visited Kalwitz and her husband in July 1936 and threatened to arrest and deport them to concentration camps. They said, no, 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 no. And they actually made a suicide pact if they ever found themselves in that situation. Luckily, she was internationally famous enough at this point for them to leave her alone. All right. Sit down for this part. Part two. She outlived her husband, who died from an illness in 1940, RIP, and here's the kicker. Her grandson, Peter, died in action in World War II, two years later. So her son, Peter, died in World War I, and her grandson, Peter, died in World War II. Mm. I mean, Mm. ugh. So, yeah. Kalwitz was forced to evacuate her home of her entire life, Berlin, in 1943. And later that year, her house that she lived in since she was like 17 years old with her husband was bombed and destroyed, along with many of her drawings, prints, and documents. She settled in Moritzburg, a town near Dresden, where she lived out her final months as a guest of some German prince. And she died just 16 days before the end of the war. (sighs) That's a lot, man. It's so much. That's a lot. To live through all that and then to have that be like her last few years of life is just, it makes me so angry. And she seemed to be a very strong woman. So I have no doubt that she handled it all in stride. But like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Right. Ugh. Right. And apparently, because she was internationally known at this point, there were a lot of famous artists and rich people in the United States offering to house her if she wanted to come live in the United States. But she was worried about retaliation against her family if she were to leave. So she didn't. Because she's a selfless angel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who did not want to be pushed around by Nazis. Don't let them. Don't let them push around. They're the worst. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted us to discuss this really quickly. People like to say that the death of her son is what inspired a lifelong 
quote unquote obsession with death and grieving, at least explored through her art. But is that really the case? Or is she like Artemisia Gentileschi, where people just want to reduce her to a single trauma in order to make sense of her emotions and her art, which is done to women in art all the time? (laughs) I really like this question a lot. Because, yeah, I mean, like, obviously, obviously, everything she went through, there's no instance in which it didn't inform her work obviously Mm -hmm. like obviously she did not have an easy life and she she was basically like an all-star at trauma like she went through so much and so like it makes sense that a lot of her work had to do with death and grieving and things like this but yeah it's also to use this word again it's kind of reductive like Mm -hmm being interested in death as a concept like that doesn't have to come out of trauma you know what I mean like death is the single thing all humans have in common basically (laughs) right it's the most human thing it is and when male artists you know have work that centers on death which a lot of them do because a lot of artists deal with death because death is again our unifying Mm -hmm. yeah I just don't see it happening to men the way that it happens to women. And like there's so much evidence that her interest in these subjects, it started before death in her family was a reality. Yeah, exactly. And she obviously had a lot of empathy for people going through illness and death and suffering due to her husband's career. And apparently she lost... I kind of forgot about this when we were talking earlier, but she lost some siblings as a child. And death just seems to be something that she lived with as a reality her whole life, but so do so many other people. Yeah, yeah. And there's also some evidence that she suffered from anxiety. But again, beside the point, it's such a human concept. Yeah, I obviously very much believe in, you know, the power of art to be a way to work through your emotions and your trauma and stuff like that. I think it's an incredibly important expressive tool and it's very healing and all of that. But to claim that that was just it, like she had been making art since she was 12 years old and it's a topic that, yes, touched her life, but it's also just such a human thing and such a mysterious thing like I think about death all the time Mm -hmm. like I think it's and and it's not something I've experienced much of in my life at all you know Mm -hmm. but like it's still something I'm interested in exploring it's something that happens a lot when we look at art history and you know just trying to make sense out of art especially from different time periods You know, in a lot of ways, the art historian or the person analyzing art wants to create a story. They want to like put Mm -hmm. pieces of a puzzle together and those pieces fit together nicely. Like they create a nice little puzzle. But I also think anyone who is an artist or thinks like an artist know it's not that simple. Yeah. And it's just not fair to do to people like to do to human beings with complex and nuanced lives and stories. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you wouldn't want it done to you. So don't do it to other people. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with saying that something had an effect on or informed someone's work. But yeah, beware of reducing someone down to one event or situation. Yeah. 
I think you're totally right that it happens a lot with women artists. Like I think comparing it to Artemisia is is a great example. But I think it happens with male artists too. Like my first instinct is Van Gogh and the ear. A thousand percent. You know, everyone's just like, oh yeah, he was crazy. He cut off his ear. But here's the thing. It's emotion and the idea of someone with uncontrollable emotion or emotion that maybe people who aren't familiar don't want to take the time to understand and I think that there's a lot of feminizing of Van Gogh because of his mental illness yes yes very true. and so he might just get swept up in some of those you know unfortunate things that happen to female artists or the ways in which they're talked about but yeah I think it has a lot to do with emotion versus quote-unquote logic 100% yeah and artists that are more logical or you know then they're the ones that are genius which it's ridiculous that Kathy would ever be talked about in this way because her work is so technically interesting and precise you know what I mean yeah Oh, yeah. Very detailed. Very. For being expressive. And it prints. You, you the prints compared to painting. You don't have a lot of room to f- like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. To exactly. make mistakes. <laughs> Not to-, <laughs> <laughs> to make mistakes. <laughs> this is a baby episode. <laughs> oh, it is a baby and we don't curse because we promise you that and we keep our promises <laughs> on this show. <laughs> leave that jingle in. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> All right, fine. fine. <laughs> All right. Did you notice I left that part of that ad in for you the other day? <laughs> what part? I didn't think you would go back and listen to it, but the part where I said, like, I hate myself. Oh, did you really leave it in? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it actually worked better than I thought it did because it sounded like I was the one who made up all those puns, not like I was reading it off of their <laughs> sheet. So then it just, it worked. That's great. <laughs> yep. That's too funny. All right, Kathy, I think I think that's all we got for today. Yeah, me too. We'll do a full episode on her though. And if you're a little lost as to where we connected this to Artemisia Gentileschi, go listen to our Artemisia Gentileschi episode because we go deep into her life and the uh, projections that she has received. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so if that interests you at all and you haven't listened to that one, go check it out. Do it. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you all. Mm-hmm. And until next time. Bye. Bye-bye. We are history, babes. Oh, oh. Just say... <laughs> <laughs> do, do you want me to try it? <laughs> international, oh, ish, internationaler socialischer Kampfund. Okay. Socialischer. Oh, that one's hard. Um, I'm gonna translate it for you. Hold on, just wait two seconds. Okay. This is not grad school. We don't need to leave the German in. No <laughs> one's gonna yell at us. This is our show. We can do whatever the <laughs> we want. <laughs> <laughs> this is our show we do what we want